Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Off the Tip in our Kenyan chapter. Uh, as we like to do at the top of the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. Uh, if you'd like to check out what we have to offer on Patreon, you can, and that's patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. We'd like to ha- have your help reaching 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. You can check us out on our YouTube. Just search the Old Ways Podcast, find our channel like and subscribe and uh, hit the notification bell so that way you can get all of our newest videos as they arrive. Some arriving weekly. And now we're going to turn to cast introductions to my right. This is Tiffany and I play Maeve O'Shea. I guess I'm just chilling in a hotel. Yeah, I'm sure that relaxing in a hotel in the middle of the African continent won't have any sort of repercussions completely alone as you are, uh, no matter there. Uh, to Miss O'Shea's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I am also chilling at the hotel waiting for our guide. You are, but not yet. We'll get to that in a second <laughs> uh, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and I'm just happy we're starting to get somewhere here in Nairobi. You yeah. Know? Making some contacts. Yeah, making some contacts, um, getting buildings burned down. It's mm-hmm, totally not mm-hmm. your fault, by the way. Don't nope. let them blame you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to see what happens next. To Jack's right. Oh, this is Lonnie. I'm playing Robert Drummond, and uh, I am exceedingly paranoid. What? So it's like just another Tuesday. I'm not nearly that paranoid normally. I have, you know. You'll have me know. Very good. I'll go back and check the audio records, Robert. We'll see how that works out for you. And to Robert's right. This is James, and I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tattenbach. And um, another continent, another arson. It is, um, what is it, Wednesday? Yeah. Um, I do Actually, it's Friday. Technically, we record on, on Fridays. Uh, but no matter. No matter. Last but most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex playing Saint-Biron, who, for no reason whatsoever, has developed an aversion to the finest tea in Nairobi. <laughs> I can't imagine why. So we're going to raise the curtain tonight um, in a time period all its own. Uh, time itself is a little bit of a bubble. And while some of the investigators at this point in time are off hanging out with Johnstone Kenyatta having a wonderful meal. Uh, Miss O'Shea had retired to the hotel where she was going to relax and wait for the return of her investigators. And so we'll say, roughly speaking, it's about 6 p.m. So it's still relatively light out, although the sun is beginning to dim uh, behind some of the uh, clouds. I'd like to know, Miss O'Shea, what you had planned for the evening. You've been there for a few hours now. Uh, what you'd be up to, 
that sort of thing. Well, then I guess mostly since I'm back on the continent, going to reach out to let him know that I'm back on continent and uh, hang out with Slander. Pretty much just like recenter myself to be back on continent. It doesn't take you very long to get recentered, especially with peace and relative quiet. It doesn't take you long to reach out and feel the presence of him with a capital H. His blood and energy run all throughout the ground here. Um, there's a definite feel for for his that connection that you have with him here. And you can feel it through the floorboards. It's more real here than it is anywhere else. And there's a urgency in his energy here. It's something that you don't really remember feeling this directly for weeks, probably since the sands of Egypt. Um, but he has that sort of intensity again, as if he is hunting something. Okay. Then, yeah, I guess I will uh, just keep an eye out and unless I know like what direction or where if I get a feel for like where he wants me to look just basically stay in tune with sounds and smells and with slander to make sure that you know we're where we need to be right now okay reasonable enough um, you feel pretty well in tune you don't feel anything erratic um Given that you're at the hotel for a few hours, are you going to get dinner or are you going to call for room service? How is that going to work? Yeah, I'll probably have room service because I'm trying to just stay out of view of the common folk. <laughs> and uh, yeah, unless I have to. I mean, if I have to, I have to. So, Okay, fair enough. You can use the telephone receiver in your room to call down for room service. Um, they give you a very, we would just say, I, I suppose the best way to put it would be there are very um, standard British offerings for food. Stew or steak and potatoes, that sort of thing. There are some garnishments here that are different. It sounds like you're going to have a fairly bland meal. Well, then I will just go for a steak medium rare. Meat they absolutely have, and in uh, reasonable quantities, it seems. Uh, so you can order a, a fairly generous portion uh, of steak, and they'll have it up to you, they say, in 10 to 15 minutes. Excellent. When it's ready. A little time passes, and uh, eventually there's a relatively soft knock on your door. I will... Uh go get the door you open the door there's a uh, gentleman standing at the door he's about six foot tall he's not too broad uh, he has a nice um, hotel staff uniform on he has a plate in his hand with a metal covering on it and then a white uh, napkin and then in his in his right hand he has what looks like a, a small bundle of something and he 
uh, a European man nods to the table nearby in your room and says, uh, may I place it there? That would be fine. He steps in and puts the plate down and begins going through a very very short uh, preparation, lays out all of the uh, flatware, the napkin, and then reaches for the dish and removes the lid. And you can smell, you know, this beautifully cooked and prepared steak. Excellent. And he turns to you and says, um, I did not receive an order for anything to drink. Is there anything I can get you before even even water, perhaps? Sh- sure. Yeah. Um, some water and um, tea would be fine. Excellent. He smiles. I'll be right back. He uh, gives you a very short, almost brief bow and then walks out of the room. Not a deep one, but just a respectful one. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple minutes later, he's back. Okay. Uh, he has a decanter of water, which he sets on the table, and then a teapot with hot water in it, which he sets down beside it. Thank you. No, thank you. He turns and smiles. Give me a spot hidden more. Okay. It's a 23 out of 85. When he says, you know, he gives you that greeting back, that sort of respectful, you're welcome, my pleasure, etc. Like any normal throwaway comment from a staff member that you're used to. Something like a, like a, a bell goes off in your head. And... It isn't just his, the way he talks, it's the way he moves. And you realize that as you're sort of making this recollection, and there's this long, almost stare between the two of you, you realize that he is lingering. Like he has not moved back to the door yet. Is there anything I can do for you? Perhaps. And that would be? Call off your crusade. Why do we have to do that? Because it'll kill her. Okay. Why would it kill her? I mean, other than, you know, if you're not on the right side of it, I suppose. He takes a short breath and you hear him exhale really long, almost like this stress relief breath. And as he does, his visage changes. He's still about the same height. His... Dark hair is replaced, goes sandy blonde, and he is not as semi-attractive as he was. Um, He's someone from like a Hollywood-style stage, maybe a little older, a little worn Mm -hmm. from the last time you saw him. It's funny. We were looking for you. I know. I don't know that subtlety is something that you all do well. Not anymore. There's no point in it. We have a short window. Oh, and us, seriously, we didn't blow up a train. Just FYI there for subtlety. He sort of furrows his brow. I heard about the train. I just assumed that um, one of the locals here took a uh, rather direct interest in keeping you from getting here. I don't know that most people that can summon those creatures would be a lo- like just a random local. Oh, she's not random. 
I mean, they're, you know, they usually know more. They're usually more involved. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're talking, you want to keep Hypatia alive? I think it's worth a try. I think she's been on the bad end of a bad deal multiple times. Isn't that partially your doing? Yeah. Yeah. I got buckets of blame here. So what do you think you're going to do to try and save her? Isn't she the one that's due to give birth? He wrinkles his nose. Birth. Birth. It's grotesque. Oh, I can imagine. I've seen it. I've seen visions of it. I know what he's planning. And it's gross. And grotesque. And completely unbelievably unholy. If that's even a thing you believe in. To a degree. However, are you saying you want out of your deal? Out. Didn't you make a deal to get where you're at? There's no there's no getting out for me. Well, I figured, but the way you were talking made it sound like you were looking for an out. He sniffs the air real well. My deal got me quite a bit. There's another scent in this room other than steak. What deal did you make? My deal is... affects mostly me. I didn't... Make one of my colleagues sick. Everything I asked for, it twisted. Yeah. You gotta be careful with those words. You gotta be very specific. It twisted everything. Not just me. It destroyed the entire expedition. Well, everybody but Jack. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a pretty nice guy. He was nice enough to put me up. And gave me time to get things... Straightened out, he flexes his left arm. You can see his hand, his left hand sort of working into and out of a flexed fist a few times. So what's your plan? Put simply, I'm going after her. Okay. And then what? It's not going to stop what's happening. Sure it will. I'm just going to stop it on my terms. But you're afraid of us killing her. Won't you have to kill her? I think you're misunderstanding me. We're talking about two different hers. Oh. I'm going after Mwiru. So she's here? Yeah, she's the head of the cult. Oh, I wonder if she's the one who blew up the train. I don't think so. But she has agents. She has people all over the place. They all do. You have to, like mow them down until you get down to the lead one. It's tiring and I'm over it. That's why this is going to be the last one. I would suggest, I mean, you can do your own suicide mission if it'll make you feel like a hero. But maybe we could all make a plan and work together. Because I'm assuming her ritual is going to be the last ritual to make everything try and pop off because so far we've stopped several. They all had plans. They all came out of that pyramid with a different idea. They'd been given methods and ways and means 
Huston had his own plan. Well, I'm sure, like, it's a backup plan on a backup plan on a backup plan. Because people are fallible. They sure are. Penny, whose plan was the wildest of them all. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was something. A rocket in a volcano. I didn't know much about it. I didn't go to any sort of school for mechanics, and what he was talking about didn't seem like it was even feasible. No, it really, whatever he was spouting sounded like crazy talk, but you know what? I've seen enough crazy that might just work. I don't think I should be too close to you for too long. Yeah, the the big guys don't get along, and I don't want them. It's not that. He sort of winces. I'm not in a good place. I would imagine you're not. But, yeah, I would prefer that you uh, didn't lose your marbles here. Look, if you want to point us in a direction to help you, I'm all for it. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I have a direction. I see her in fits and starts and visions and between the waking hours and make my course adjustments after I see her. She's close. Close enough for me to feel. I've seen I've seen his people here. Oh yeah. Coming in those red robes. It's always red. I'm not gonna stop until she's dead. Neither are we really because this has to stop before time runs out. He stands up very straight for a second. And you see his chin sort of move to the left and his neck gets really rigid. He looks at you for a moment with just pure panic in his eyes. And then those eyes go black. Oh, fuck. And the voice that comes out of Roger Carlyle is inhuman. Like the voice we heard in the temp- that one temple room or whatever? Absolutely. And the voice says, Welcome to my home, Miss O'Shea. Yeah, I don't think it's entirely yours. You think your snake god has any true power here? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not? What sort of believer are you? Well, do you think I'm going to give all my secrets to you? <laughs> You think you have secrets I don't know? I've been with you the whole time. Mm. Wrapped around that pretty neck of yours, I've watched everything you've done. How do you think you hear words? How do you think you translate all of those things? By my power, not yours. All right, true enough. Come. Come to the mountain. Come and see my power. Oh, oh, you're 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 telling us where the ritual's going down? You can't stop it. Oh, oh. Okay. Which mountain? Oh, the Black Mountain, right. I already knew that. Of course you did. I look forward to seeing Roger there as well. More bodies. Roger goes into a seizure. He falls on the floor. I will uh, make sure that he doesn't bang his noggin on anything, basically. 
You try to find a pillow. Yeah. It takes a couple of minutes, but he eventually stops shaking. And then you see his body jolt with sort of a muscle spasm. And he turns his head. Um, You see that his eyes and tear ducts have been rimmed with red. And the pillow case, the pillow you gave him to sort of comfort and cradle his head is now coated with blood. And he tries to unsuccessfully rub the blood out of his eyes. I'll hand him like a towel or my cloth napkin or whatever's handy. <laughs> yeah. You hand him a cloth napkin to do his best with and he eventually clears his face. He's going to kill you. Yeah. He might, but she took my life from me. She took everything from me. He tries to stand up. We have an invitation. When are you heading to the mountain? I don't even know where it is. There are tons of mountains around here. Oh, you haven't heard of the one that they called the Black Mountain? I just got into town a few days ago. Oh, I just thought you would inherently know. No, it doesn't work like that for me. Maybe it does for you. No, I'm not linked to him. Well, not on purpose. Well, sort of on purpose. It's a long story. Anyways, yeah, the research I did. So where the party, I use like quotes, like I say it with like quotation, party was found. There's a mountain that's like, I think, behind it or somewhat nearby that they called the Black Mountain. Mountain of the Black Wind or whatever, Devil's Mountain. I don't know. They call it all Mm. kinds of stuff. Okay. I'll get pointed in that direction. We're gonna, yeah, probably have to figure out when we're headed that way, too. I suggest you don't go alone. Or maybe, because if he can take you over at any time, I guess you'd be a liability to us for sure. Yeah, after the expedition broke up, I prefer to be alone. Less people get hurt that way. Yeah. He sort of balls up the bloody napkin and stuffs it in a pocket. Sorry for bothering you. (laughs) You have to do what you have to do. Sometimes the call is too strong. Yeah, you're right. But thanks for not, you know, for not coming in here and trying to cut my throat. I mean, that's usually what happens. I don't have an animosity towards you or anybody you're with. You're all trying to do the same thing I am, just a different way. Yeah. And none of it's good. It's a lose-lose situation, but greater good and all. Yeah. Greater good. He takes his exit. Without another word, closes the door behind him. I'm going to let out a large exhale, like I've been holding my breath. And then I'll pick up slander and we'll have dinner. You have dinner. About an hour or so passes. Most of the group at that point returns to the hotel. And so the rest of our investigators, minus Sam, can interact as they so choose. So we're like in rooms near each other, right? You are. You're on the same floor. 
you're on rooms that are essentially one right after the other. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to, like, knock on everyone's door unless I hear them all coming down to the hall at the same time. Like, hey, let's all chat in someone's room. Yeah, I figured one of us would uh, get you if you don't come down immediately. So, so how was dinner? It was uh, informative and very useful. So was mine. Yours was informative. Yeah. I met somebody. Well, who'd you meet? Roger Carlyle. Really? I know it's wild, but yeah. And uh, what did Roger have to say? He doesn't want to be a part of it basically anymore. He's going after, um, you know, the mysterious chick and all the pictures and stuff. Oh, yes. The uh, priestess. Yeah. He's he's going after her. However, the Pharaoh can speak and sees through Roger and can take him over. So him traveling with us is kind of an out. But we do have an invitation from the Pharaoh himself to meet him at the mountain because he thinks we can't stop the ritual. Well, a lot of people have thought we can't stop their rituals, so... That was my thought. It seems like the there's a golden rule of, um, regardless of the power of the ritual, a certain amount of fire always seems to do the trick. Well, I'm not going to lie. The This one, I... Uh, she's been around a while. It's not like she just got her power. Remember, she's the one who led them all down this path. So, we don't know how many deals she's made. We don't know how strong she is. That's the only thing that makes me nervous. And we don't know how many people she has. I mean, probably quite a few. And you're seriously considering just walking up there? Oh, you, you, have, a, you have a different suggestion? I think that's been my suggestion the whole time. <laughs> well, we are going to... Uh talk to somebody who can, might be able to help us. Oh, that's... Well, okay. Who's that? Um, he's called the Great Bunditi. <sighs> oh, okay. Apparently he's a, a wise man that lives out in, outside of town. Oh, okay. Well, we have had help from other wise people in the past. I don't think that that's a bad way to go. Yeah. And uh, right now, Sam is checking out the uh, tea merchant because apparently uh, our host has, has a bad blood with, the, with her as well. So mm. He's looking for tea. So when are you uh, going to meet up with this person? Uh, tomorrow, I believe. Okay. I'll come along for that. I don't, I don't need any mysterious Roger Carlyle visits. I feel bad for him. But I don't, if that makes sense. Like, he made this deal, but, like, I feel bad that he had to wake up to reality and he's stuck. Yes. Well, we all have a cross to bear. Ain't that the truth? He's on a suicide mission. I just hope, this is going to sound callous, but I hope that we go at the same time so he can distract so that we can get the job done. Maybe? Oh, I understand completely. So, 
Anyways, I got some things to take care of. Um, I guess grab me tomorrow before you guys leave. All right. I'm going to go back to my room. I'm taking off that necklace and I'm going to break it. You are going to make me a hard power roll first. Oh, because I got to try and let go of it. You got to try to get it off your body. Yeah. Okay. Oh, pow. It's my pow. That's not a hard. It's I got 69. Nice. uh, Out of 85. Okay. Um, You go to take it off. And when you do, you feel this desperate panic that if you take it off, you might not be able to understand written languages. Like you get this flash in your head of like all the le- all of the letters of all the languages you've seen before suddenly becoming babble and you not being able to unravel what they say. And so you hesitate and you try to take it off, but then you were like, I just can't, you just can't bring yourself to do it. Now that is a role you could push should you so choose. No, no, not that one. I'll, I'll, I'll just have to deal with that. Maybe I can put like cotton in its ear holes. I think that that is a fantastic perspective to take on it. <laughs> um, you uh, eventually, and then all of you at the hotel eventually sleep for the rest of the night. It's at this point that Sam is um, mostly standing in a bucket most of the night um, or being near a bucket with water just in case. Um, I can't blame him. Morning rolls around. And it's at this point in our timeline. Remember, time is a bubble. Um, it's at this point that Sam views the shopkeeper enter and open her shop. And people begin to come in. And there's this sort of queue line of customers that begin rapidly filling up that uh, small tea shop. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause the tape just just for a moment for you listeners and we're going to do a luck refresh because it's a new day and our investigators probably would like a little luck no one more so than likely miss lane um but we'll start with miss o'shea if you'd give us a luck roll uh 71 okay a lot of luck you got there <laughs> i was gonna say that's way too high that's a 98 out of 71 Ooh. Ooh. Wow. (laughs) Only time I ever want to roll that high ever, ever. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to give you 15 points of luck. I will take it. Thank you. Mm. No, no, don't, don't, don't thank me. (laughs) Thank the dice. Miss Lane. I got a 35 out of 18. Hey, look at that. You get 2d10 luck. Which is probably very, very good for you. Uh, take 19 points of luck, Miss Lane. Oh, nice. Thanks. Back over 30. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Jack? Uh, that's 20 under 83. Okay, so you still get uh, a D10 plus another D10. So that's 13 points of luck for you. Thank you. You'll eventually gap. Again, yep. And then you won't be able to get luck. Mr. Drummond. That's a 72 over 51. The only roll you want to fail, right? Uh, that's 18 points of luck for you. All right. That now gives me 69 luck. Nice. 
Doctor. Okay, I've got 63 currently and have rolled an 85. Very good. That's a really good roll for you. Uh, take 22 points of luck. Yay! All right, Sam, round us out. Uh, that is a 64 over 62. Cool. Fantastic. You fail by two. Uh, so that is 15 points of luck for you. Love it. So that is the end of our luck refresh. Uh, so now on a new day, um, Sam, if you'd like to pick up with your recon, you may. Yeah. Um, so knowing what I know now, I do my best to make my way out of the area and um, I know I have to get back to my people before too much time goes on but um, the nature of the situation is is pretty knowing what I know about this person um, I'm very concerned about going into the next situation and prepared it's my understanding that there is a, a, a hospital nearby mm -hmm. wasn't there? Yep. so Sam is actually going to make a pit stop in an attempt to secure a reasonable amount, perhaps a gallon or more of chloroform. Mm, I don't think you'd be able to get a hold of a full gallon of chloroform. Well, as much as much as, as much as a gallon, I will take any amount. You probably get a liter. At a most. liter, or yeah, a liter be perfect. And chlorine bleach, which should be easy enough to procure. I would think so. Yeah. So those are those are the things that I'm trying to to finagle on my way back to the hotel. So if there is a hospital to wander into I think that given the, the time frame mm -hmm. um, and Sam's kind of determination in getting this done I will spend 10 points of luck for to utilize my master of disguise and grab the first doctor's coat I can see on a chair and snag somebody's glasses off of a table mm -hmm. um and make my way in and out as quickly as possible with uh, bottles. Okay. So you're going to make what? Well, when I get back, well, when I'm finally able to, to do something, my plan is to, uh, via, via chemical chlorination, to make a bunch of carbon te tetrachloride, uh, which is a flame suppressant. And then either put that into vacuum tubes or a hand sprayer. And you'll also get a byproduct, conveniently, of a hydrochloric acid, which has a bunch of really convenient utility and can be pretty easily weaponized if we so choose uh, when combined with water vapor. Well, have you make a chemistry roll to make sure you don't, you know, meth lab yourself. Well, sure. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I got to get the goods first. I'm going to be happy to do that somewhere else. Um, yeah, no, you'll have the goods. I, um, I'm happy to hand wave some of that stuff uh, just based on the luck spend and um, the, the battery of skills that Sam has. Uh, you'll be able to get back to the hotel with um, your parcels intact. Okay. Yeah, along with uh, hopefully a hand sprayer, whether it's you know someone someone use one someone uses for gardening, or uh, a pump that they use for whatever. Yeah, I will make my way back to the hotel once I have my material. You said I have about a liter of chloroform. Yeah, about a liter. Okay. Great. Morning arrives for everyone else at the hotel. Breakfast, etc. Uh, Jack, if memory serves correctly, you were told about mid-morning is when they'd arrive? Yes. Um, so um, is anyone in the group before mid-morning doing anything else specific? I mean, if I could take care of my business before we meet, that would be great. Yeah, go ahead and make your chemistry roll. Okay. 
say 20, 29 out of 65. So that is a hard success. Yeah. Um, I'll say that you spend the morning and probably make two bottles worth of flame suppressant. Awesome. Um, and the remaining uh, hydrochloric acid I will put into vacuum tubes. Okay. It's just basically this, it's the leftovers combined with water vapor for those, for those mm-hmm. playing at home. Anybody else in the morning doing anything or would you like to just continue on? I'm going to uh, wander downstairs and get some breakfast and just sit quietly reading the paper while keeping a casual eye on everything going around. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm also trying to keep an eye on Reggie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Reggie. Good old Reg. Yeah, I think um, you probably would get the feeling that Reggie is somebody who... He has a way about him. He has um, things that he tends to do um, every day. And he also has um, his own viewpoints Uh, just what's important as far as running his location. Um, One of the things that's most important to Reggie, it seems, is drinking port on a fairly regular basis. Um, And I will offer you, based on your uh, morning of observation of both the space in the hotel and its uh, proprietor, I will offer you a psychology role. Oh, this will go well. (laughs) I will spend 19 luck to make that a success. Okay, fantastic. Uh, So one of the things that you begin to build with Reggie is sort of a psychological profile based on some of the ways he talks and acts, some of the tales during breakfast that he sort of recounts to uh, those who are around. You think that Reggie might be um, utilizing Port to keep the demons at bay, so to speak. Like, you think Reggie might have done some pretty dark shit in his past. Or seen something pretty dark. Right. Um, and this point is sort of hammered home when about about 10 o'clock or so, a very tall man walks through the door, African man, who's dressed in um, a fairly um, dim, fairly muted green tunic and clothing. He clearly is unlike any other hotel guest on the property. He has a, a various amount of Necklace is on, and he carries a firm walking stick. Reggie immediately reacts to his presence in the hotel. Reacts how? Well, he walks over to him, sort of um, in a very um, direct fashion. See, he strides over across the hotel hall and says, uh, you know, you hear the exchange between them, which is, um, what is your business here? What do you need? Um, He seems to almost want to shoo him out. Um, And the man sort of stands very tall and and very sternly says, I have a party that I am meeting here, and then I will be out of your... He sort of throws a look around the establishment and says the word house. The man says to Reggie, I am looking for a man named Doyle. Fetch him for me. Uh, I'll get up. Reggie looks immediately just beside himself. Fetch! As if I am your dog. He turns and sees you standing there, Jack. Uh, He raises his hand to to sort of call to you. Uh, Mr. Doyle, do you know who this man is? Uh, He is a guy that we have uh, obtained the services of. He walks over to 
meet you, Reggie does. Yeah, Mr. Doyle, if you needed a guide, I could provide you with one that is, um, of his senses. These, these tribesmen are just, sometimes they're not fit. They, they could, he could be suckering you into something terrible. He comes highly recommended. He's taken us to a very specific place that he knows of. Well, I wish you and your group luck, especially in these times. These men cannot always be trusted. We have a long history of handling this kind of thing. We'll be fine. He looks worried and then gives you a sort of nonchalant acceptance, a shrug, and walks away. The tall man meets your gaze when you turn back to him. Sorry about that. You would be the uh, individual that we were expecting. He nods. Mr. Kenyatta sent me. Of course. Let me get my companions together. He nods. I will be outside. Very good. What is it? Anybody want to go with to go uh, speak to the great Bandari? I want to go. Absolutely. Sam will arrive smelling reeking of bleach. So um, I know that there's some things to do, but um, it seems that our tea shop owner is everything we were told she would be and more. Um, not only is she supposedly the, the most popular tea seller in Nairobi, but she also seems to have a knack for standing on trains and blowing up newspaper shops. They're pretty busy during the day, and the shop seemed pretty quiet at night uh, before she arrived in the morning. I'm happy to, to go on this, this trek. I was just kind of curious as to whether that's something we want to move on immediately or... Um, I just don't see we're going to have time right now. Maybe if, depending on what happens with uh, our meeting today. Right, because we have no idea where we're going or how long we're going to be there. So, Right. I will hand uh, Robert a, a, a brass hand sprayer. I'm going to look at it. <laughs> so just in case we run into any more... Uh, fires that are getting out of control. That should come in handy. Thanks. I look very neutrally at this because I don't know what it is and I don't know where it came from, but if he says it's useful, it's probably useful. It smells funny. Yeah, don't drink it. Okay. Does the group assemble outside then? Yes. Fantastic. You walk outside and there's a, a tall African gentleman in a green and sort of yellow... A tunic. Uh, he has a tall walking staff with him. He's arrayed with various necklaces and um, jewelry. He uh, has a heavy black beard. It's um, wide. Comes down a little bit onto his neck where some of the hairs curl there. Um, he has well-defined shoulders. Looks like he... Um, at one point likely did some sort of fairly regular manual labor. Uh, he's probably in his 40s, you think? You think. He nods to you, Jack. Is this all of them? This is all of them. Let us walk. He turns and begins to walk. As he walks, he appears to be walking towards Swahili Town. You'd know the most direct path there, says many of you have toured that area and obviously eaten there last night. 
What do you know about this uh, great Bandari? Many things. Many things. Right. What would you like to know? Is he some type of a wise man? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we have many names for them here. I've heard very much of his work over the years. Well, he comes uh, highly recommended by your uh, employer. Friend. Friend. He is a friend. There is, um, no one employs me. Not anymore. I am my own man. Very good. I'd like you all to make a psychology roll. Just let me know if you pass, fail. Fail. Okay. Fail. Extreme. Okay. Hard. Pass. Uh, I failed. Okay. So Jack and Mr. Drummond and the doctor, varying levels of successes. Uh, so I would say that all three of you would recognize that your this man who's walking you through to Swahili Town seems very mindful of his surroundings. That's funny because I was going to say the same thing. Seems to be watching people. He seems to be watching things, uh, the, the, the foot traffic. Uh, so for you, for your extra, your hard success, uh, Mr. Drummond, if you didn't know it any better, you would get the sense that he feels like the group is being tailed. Jack, for your extreme, you're fairly convinced that he believes not that the group is being tailed. That was your first thought. You think that he is looking for something to tip him off about what happens next. He's not looking for a tail. He's looking for an ambush. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, then. I will uh, perk up and uh, keep my eyes peeled. So it's important to remember about Swahili Town that this is a part of Nairobi that's very poor, right? The people, though, are very cheerful and they haven't given up hope. And so as you walk through this place during the day, that is a sense, especially you, doctor, that you get from the people here. The people are not rich of the markets and money, but they are very rich in spirit. And you can almost feel... I don't want to say like an otherworldly presence to it, but there is something about being in a community that doesn't focus on the next thing to get and focuses on living in the moment and enjoying the moment as it, as it is here um, that you find exceedingly refreshing. Doc definitely takes a moment to appreciate that moment. Yeah. Seeing, seeing the doctor pause, uh, I will actually take the opportunity to kind of nudge, uh, Sigmund with uh, my elbow and when he looks down I will hand him a uh, newly acquired uh, doctor's coat with a small bottle kind of wrapped up in it uh, I got you something oh. well, is it interesting coat I have not had worn an actual doctor's coat in a long time he takes the bottle out holds it up a little to the light Oh, that's for your um, for your bag. I didn't know if you had any chloroform, but we had some left over. So, oh, wunderbar! Again, thank you, Sam. I do not, I do not have any chloroform, and uh, not for a while. <laughs> this will be 
actually, this would be incredibly handy. Mm. Remind me later as an experiment, perhaps, Evan, to try. And I think perhaps, Sam, you would be a good person to take part in it. This um, one is not this one. This one is not for huffing. I will hand him a vacuum tube. Um, mm. This one contains hydrochloric acid. Be very, very careful with it. Aha. He wraps it in a maybe a handkerchief from his pocket before mm-hmm. putting it in his bag. Sure. Uh, and he puts it in one of the, the side vial straps so that it is secured and not going to slosh around and clank into anything. Okay. Eventually, the uh, the guide stops at uh, building a, a hut, for, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's got a yellow painted door. And he, with his uh, staff's uh, walking stick, sort of stap, taps on the the door, which is, you know, gives a resounding echoing sound. Um, and the door opens and he leans down to walk in. Sigmund takes off his hat and, uh, and follows suit. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else uh, going in or staying outside? I'll go in. I'll wait outside. Okay. Um, so inside this nondescript shack, inside it there is a a small oil lamp at the far end of it. It's probably about the shack itself is probably about ten by fifteen or so, give or take. And there is a Rolls Royce Roadster in it. I will allow myself a chuckle. Oh. The uh, tall man sets the staff against the wall and then goes to open the back door to the vehicle and extends a hand to Miss O'Shea. Okay, I will take his hand. He helps you into the car. I I will lean out the door, kind of tap Robert on the shoulder. We got a ride. Let's go. Okay. Uh, I just find myself bereft every time that uh, Sam says some outlandish thing that shouldn't possibly happen, but always does. That's fair. Once the investigators are inside, uh, you somehow find a way to fit inside this car. (laughs) All of you. Cram in. Um, You know, it seems like you would have to cram in for sure. But seemingly when you get into the back seat or the front seat, um, there is reasonably enough room. Uh, The tall man gestures to you, Sam, to sit in the front seat with him. Of course. Um, And then he puts the doctor in between the the two of you. Wonderful. I, this is an amazing automobile. The British are so industrious when they put their mind to it. I hope that doesn't ever backfire. Hmm. He turns the car over and you hear a rumble of the engine start up in this little space. A young boy comes in from the door and very quickly, you know, Yanks on a rope, pulls it really quickly, and the door at the end of the hut opens up. <laughs> and uh, the Rolls Royce thunders out of the garage and is within moments bouncing along this dirt track several miles outside of Nairobi. Yeah, imagine anyone would ever expect to find a roadster in Swahili Town hidden in a little building somewhere. Um, Sam, you make out that there is a plaque on the dashboard and there's somebody's name sort of like scrawled on it and the 
British flag is on it? They are uh, people after my own heart, really. I was kind of, I'll kind of rub it with my thumb, just polish it a little bit. Mike, uh, is the top up or down on said Rolls Royce? Oh, it's down. Wonderful. Uh, are there any driving goggles about? You're not sure. Doc fishes around on the seat and maybe in the glove compartment. Um, and an almost childlike glee. This is a fantastic opportunity for him. Mm -hmm. He hasn't gotten to ride in a Rolls Royce, especially in the front seat when he can just enjoy the view. So if he he finds a pair of goggles, great. Otherwise, he's just going to kind of lean forward in a dog-like manner so his head's a little above the windshield. So, um, James, you're aware, of course, that if the doctor really wanted to find a pair of goggles, he would just simply have to spend 10 luck to find them. You know what? That would be a fun acquisition I could see being useful anyway, so he will spend 10 luck and find a pair of goggles. You find them in between the seat, like the doctor reaches in between the leather portions of the seat, Sam, and he pulls out goggles. And then he gleefully snaps them on his face and goes back to watching the road and the dirt fly. So you leave Nairobi in your own wake of dust, really long cloud behind you. The drive takes about an hour or so. Uh, It does get warmer as the day moves along and the dust from the road picks up. Um, And the heat of the car and the heat of the travel begins to wear on everybody, except Miss O'Shea, who sort of welcomes the hotter temperatures, I'm assuming. But after that hour or so passes, you come upon a remote village and you stop just beyond a small circle of huts. A guide puts the car into park, turns the engine off, and then gets out. Uh, when he does, he turns back to the car and looks at you, Jack, and he puts his hand up. Stay, please. Of course. As the um, tall man walks around the car from the huts, you see a young, almost delicate-looking man approach him, and they begin having a conversation. Sam, it's in part, like some of it is Swahili. There's something else they're discussing, though. And they continue their movement away from the car. And you can't really make out everything that they say, even though even even hear them. They're, They're talking in a fairly low tone. Um, but the tall man seems to be trying to convince this younger man of something. From the huts and some of the nearby grasses, there are a suddenly a, a fairly large amount of children that are beginning to peek out and look through windows and get closer to the car. They begin to gather. Um, when they, if they're, how, how close are they getting? The kids? Oh, yeah. pretty close. It's an automobile. I'll, I'll wait till one gets super brave and that goes to touch mm-hmm. the car and then I'm going to honk the horn. Just a little bit. A bunch of the kids run off, um, but a few stay. A few stay. Some giggle. You can, you get the, the honk of the horn gets the attention of the tall man and the sort of younger, delicate looking man. And then they go back to talking. After about 10 minutes of this discussion, the tall man and that young man come back over to the car. Tall man says, This is Okumu. 
Pleasure to meet you. He regards you a little standoffish. You can tell from his body language, he isn't exactly as welcoming as the tall man seems to be. Yeah, that probably makes sense. Why? He says in a struggled English language. Why do you wish to speak with Bundari? We've been told that he could help us find uh, the mountain of the Black Wind. The young man gets a real serious look on his eye. Can You can tell he's all business. And it's not even required for psychology roles. So you seek the devil's path. Yes. All of you? Yes. You wish to go to the mountain and die. You wish to go to the mountain and end the evil there before it gets worse. Our, our intent is to fight, if need be. Then you court death. We've been courting death quite often lately. He says in Swahili to the tall man, I'm saying, I'm pointing that out so that we, Sam understands what he says. He says, are they all this brave? <clears throat> he returns to English. Go ahead, Sam. I'll say Kenyatta risks his life every day to do his best to represent the people here. He is unable to represent them in the places that we must go and that we have been. It is only our wish to do what we can for the people here and spare them the oppressive darkness that is looming overhead. So I don't know if it's arrogance that you're smelling or certainty of purpose. Kenyatta plays the white man's game. Politics. He dresses in a suit, but it is true he cannot walk this path. He's no fool to diversity of tactics. Very well. Leave your things behind here. He steps back from the vehicle and gestures for the group to get out of it. Leave our things with the car? Is that what he's yeah. asking? Yeah, I, I disarm yeah. entirely then. Yeah. Doc may have already gotten out of the car just to stretch his hip a little bit and pass out the few remaining candies from his pocket to the little kids. Hmm. The only thing that Sam does not remove is the uh, the gauntlets, which he will put on his belt and, and secured, but they'll just kind of drape there. They won't be in like a, you know, they'll just be there. Well, let us go and speak what Bundari has to say to you. He turns and begins walking through several of these small huts, making for one further into the village. And uh, we will call our episode to a close there. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Masks of the Mouth Tap. We are going to go talk to a great guide and see what uh, advice he may offer. But that will happen next time. Thank you and good night.